what do boundaries even look like? I remember sitting for a week probably with my notebook, like, I don't even know where to start with a boundary. What does a boundary look like? You know? And, and so I think after trauma, so again, as to why you should not jump right into a new relationship or any, there's so much work to be done, but truly understanding what you as an individual need and then identifying those boundaries and then working through the process of how you put those boundaries in place. Welcome to the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast for authentic dating. My name is Dave Glazer, online personal trainer and obsessed with the Enneagram personality assessment. After going through a couple of breakups in 2017, I came across some really inauthentic people when dating in Denver. And instead of getting frustrated, I decided to create a community of authentic people myself. Come along with me on this path to authenticity as we welcome expert guests and real-life daters to share their tools, tips, and knowledge to help you show up as your most authentic self. Christina Martinez has her master's in occupational therapy from Florida International University and is a Colorado native. We invite her on today to share her very important message, as well as a unique path to recovering from big T and little t trauma to discover her authentic self. If you'd like additional support in your own path to rediscovering your authentic self, please reach out to trusted professionals like Dr. Kristen Hick and Dr. Brittany Wolford at the Center for Shared Insight here in Denver, Colorado. They're currently doing teletherapy to support more people in this time of crisis in Colorado. Without further delay, let's get into today's episode with Christina Martinez. Hey guys, welcome back to the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast. I I have with me Christina Martinez. Unfortunately, we couldn't meet in person this time, but uh, we have recorded an episode before and I'm so glad to have you back. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back and excited for our discussion today. Absolutely. So we're going to dive in. So you're from Colorado, a native, but you've moved around a lot. Tell me about that experience. Oh, man. Um, Yeah. So born and raised in Denver, and I've lived pretty much everywhere in the metro Denver area. My family's asking me for a detailed graph of all of the places that I've lived in. (laughs) I'm in like my 40-something-ith house. So then aside from Colorado, I moved to Miami for school. I went to Florida International and then moved back after graduating. And then I, in my marriage, ended up, my ex was military. So we were stationed at Fort Hood in Texas for three years. And then after that, left and went to Tampa, Florida for eight years. And then I came back. (laughs) And you came back to Colorado uh, before, during, or after your divorce? I came back after. The support system from my family was incredibly important to me. Mm-hmm. Professionally speaking, throughout all those travels, you went for a master's in occupational therapy. And catching us up to today, that's not what you do for work anymore, is it? No, it's not. And I actually... I went for my master's because of the position that I had in Tampa. So I was um, manager of telehealth and rehabilitation is what I started in um, with Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center and just wore several hats within that company and did a lot of education and research for traumatic brain injury for service members and veterans. Now I'm in medical device sales for my full-time career. And I have a business on the side that is wellness focused. So it does still connect back to my degree and my background. 
And then I think last time we spoke, I said, some way or another, I'm going to get back into my traumatic brain injury work. And since then, I have now signed on as a consultant um, with a group locally to do um, head injury and psychological health work for military and veterans again. And then also am picking up head injury patients in the world of OT. So... I have my hands full. <laughs> yeah, congratulations on that new adventure. I know how passionate you are about it. And I bring up your professional life because it's so important in what drives you and through your purpose. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You mean not just me, like everybody, right? No, actually, I'm specifically talking about you because a lot of people would say like, well, I want to go into OT because I want to help people. And then your path and your direction wound its way away from OT to medical device sales. And because of that, you realized how passionate you were about um, the occupational therapy for wounded veterans and head injuries. And you worked your way back to that. Mm, yeah, that's, that's so true. And um, I think I also realized that it's not just about the money. You know, I mean, sales is a very lucrative field or it can be. And I need to be filled up in other ways, you know, for it to really create meaning in my life. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we are doing what we are passionate about, if what we love to do, it's more than okay for us to be rewarded financially for that. And when we're so passionate about it, the abundance will come. Do you agree? A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. I still have trouble trusting that process um, and getting away from the how, I work on that a lot. <laughs> but yes, I agree with that statement. Right. And in your medical device sales, uh, the last time we talked, it was the week of shelter in place orders that came down. And you're partially in the field, you're partially in the office, you can work from home. But at that time, you were out in the field more often. Mm -hmm. And then since then, you've been working at home and now you're back in the field some of the time. Correct. Yeah. If people will let me in their doors, I'm back in the field. Sure. It sounds like a roller coaster though. How are you handling that? So I don't know if this is a story that I've told myself. I think sometimes I am figuring out that this isn't necessarily true, but my previous understanding was that I'm an introvert. <laughs> and so I don't mind being at home. I get out and I interact. I think you and I talked about, you know, just how much of a difference it makes to have the dogs. And so because of my dog, I'm still outside five or six times a day. I'm, you know, still interacting with neighbors in the hallway or outside. Um, and so I don't feel so isolated because of that. Um, and then I have Zoom calls pretty much every day. <laughs> so I still feel like I'm getting a lot of the social interaction um, and maybe even more so than I was prior to all of this. Mm -hmm. Thanks for squeezing me in, by the way. Oh, no, this is great. This is one that I was looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, it's been on the books for quite a while. Yeah, I think we talked about it the last time we met. and then We did, absolutely. And your story, when I first heard it on the 127 Fit podcast with Quentin Vars, is how we got connected and how we met. And then you were kind enough to come talk about veterans and mental health on the Aspire Hire podcast. But we're talking about dating on the BBR podcast. And and your story is so impactful in my life because I resonate and relate to it so much. Um, but the last time we talked, you were starting a new relationship, if, if I remember correctly. Mm, yeah, like, right. Again, kind of in time with all of this. <laughs> 
And that's a hard time to start something new. What, what have you learned since then, since the last time we talked and, and how's it going? It's going really well. I am always trying to look at the positive side of things. So this was someone I had been friends with for a couple years. So this is the first time that I'm entering into a relationship already having known the person. And for me, I think that built a really good foundation, um, especially in terms of trust. So feeling safe and secure and not having to necessarily question like if this person has good intentions or not, because I already knew him. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been huge. And then we were dating a little bit before all of the world shut down and everything and decided that we would still keep seeing each other in person. And so that's been huge too. I know not everybody is having that luxury, but um, to still have face-to-face interaction with another person. And I think changes the dating landscape entirely. Again, foundationally, I think it's allowing us to really get to know one another. Um, I would be willing to say on a much deeper level than if things were opened up and we had our kind of normal day-to-day lives going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of that safety and security is something that in the two months since we've seen each other in the two months since we've last talked, I've had a lot of time to think about safety and security with a global pandemic on one end. And then all of our fears that uh, we either bring into a new relationship or that we just have as our foundational core limiting beliefs, this solitude, this slow down period for me of intentionally not dating has given me time to think about safety and security as a need and how to communicate that as well. And I think that the coronavirus and its existence actually helps us communicate that as a need more often than maybe if we didn't have that as a, as a factor. I would love to hear more about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were very fortunate and thank you very much for sharing transparently where you're at in your relationship. We don't oftentimes talk about our, our guests specific relationships. So thank you very much for sharing, but you were fortunate to already know him, mm-hmm. already trust him, already have a relationship and you were already dating before shelter in place. So the two of you could enter into a great agreement that says we'll still see each other in person. And I'm going to assume that you're asking for, who else are you in contact with so that my physical health is, um, is taken care of? Because that's another need that we can voice very, very easily. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. And then let's put it on the other side of the, of the spectrum where I wasn't seeing anybody at all. I, I don't think I've gone on a first date since December. Okay. And so like, yes, I would love companionship. Yes, I would love mm-hmm. a partner. I would... I don't necessarily think that a global pandemic stops everybody from doing that from what I hear anyways, because I'm still connected with people who are dating in the same exact place that I was. I know that in our community, people are still dating. They're still getting together in person. And for me, not having a connection, not going on a first date since December puts me in a very unique place in dating. Whereas, okay, well, let's just say I meet somebody on an app and we start texting and then we have a phone call and then we do a FaceTime or a Zoom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we would like to take it to an in-person meeting. I'm comfortable with that because I'm doing that anyways, walking the dog around the park every day. I have my mask on, but I'm bumping into strangers every single day within 10 to 20 feet of me. So if I meet somebody that I'm actually interested in meeting up with, 
I can have the conversation of like, hey, what's your work life like? Mm -hmm. Are you seeing people in person through work? Are you an essential employee? Do you work from home? Do you have family that you're still seeing? And by the way, while we're talking about it, are you seeing anybody else romantically that would put my physical health in danger or put me at risk for catching a virus? Yeah, that's such a good point. That's what I've been spending the last two months thinking about is like, <laughs> where do I sit in my comfort level of safety and security, which on Maslow's hierarchy of needs is the bottom foundation one. Right. So can I ask you a question about that? Yes, please. Yeah, let's have an open dialogue about this. How do you see that continuing as things change or as we potentially move out of this pandemic state? So if I'm hearing you correctly, you want to know if I'm seeing one person now in person, and then when things open back up, would we start to see other people or... No, I think my question is more around how does that safety and security resonate with you if you don't, I mean, because I feel like it kind of gives you this excuse to put your safety and security, like, or at least ask those questions. But if there's no pandemic to fall back on and say, you know, I mean, how do you still envision safety and security in that Mm -hmm. sense? I love that question. And thank you very much for asking that. What the global pandemic does is it gives us an opportunity, an opportunity, not an excuse, to practice the language around communicating our needs so that when there isn't a global pandemic in the future, we're better or more well-versed with the language around, hey, I've just met you. Mm -hmm. Here's what I'm comfortable with. Where are you comfortable with? And let's see if it's actually a match based on our values. And if it is, let's keep seeing each other. Okay. I love that. (laughs) I, and part of that just comes back because I've been doing so much work around safety and security. And um, it's funny because that's kind of been my word of the last few days for sure. But trying to really discover what does that even mean to me, you know, and, and really trying to do that inner work of what does it mean to have security in something? And then are you unnecessarily attaching yourself to a person or an idea because of what you think that brings or means? Mm-hmm. I like that point. I really appreciate you saying it that way. And I've had two opportunities come up in the last couple of months because this has been my place of focus of like asking myself, what do I want? Mm-hmm. What am I willing to put out there? And what boundaries am I willing to put around it? So the first time I had the chance to think on it deeply, one of my clients is doctorate of psychology at UC Health, and he's in charge of all the psychiatric protocol for the employees staying healthy mentally during this time. Great resource. He's been a guest on the podcast. I brought up the point of like, we don't know what tomorrow holds or what the future is going to bring. And he made a point of like, Dave, we never do. Whether you have financial security or career focus or career stability in your life, you still don't know what tomorrow is going to bring on a safety and security standpoint. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Yeah. And then the second opportunity is uh, my weekly conversations with my NLP practitioner, Thomas. We banter back and forth. We divide our time between, okay, you get this much time. I get that much time. Let's just, let's cry together. That's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> okay. I do the crying. He does the talking. <laughs> And I'm talking to him about the same topic of safety and security in a relationship. And I was giving him an example and I felt unsafe and insecure in the moment or whatever the interaction was. And he stops me and said, Dave, let me ask you, was your physical safety actually at risk at that point? 
were you really unsafe and insecure at that time? And I got, I got that opportunity to reflect and say, no, I'd be able to defend myself in person and in a physical way through jujitsu training and through just strength and conditioning. I think I could really defend myself pretty well. So no, I wasn't really unsafe. So it just kind of flipped something in my brain and in my heart and in my gut of like, not every relationship you enter will be putting you at physical risk. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's been a challenge for me because it's hard to, I mean, I'm very fortunate with where I am now, but it's hard to go into a new relationship and trust that other person that I'm not going to be put in physical risk because that's what I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we could give a little bit more context for the people listening Um, Share as much as you would like to share. And it's really, I think, a valuable message that you have. I've had so many opportunities to learn and then kind of drive myself forward from those lessons. Um, But I grew up in a household that was abusive. I then entered a relationship which turned into a marriage um, that also had toxic tendencies, manipulation, abuse, And after, so that relationship was about 14 years and almost an 11 year marriage. So I was young when we started dating. And so I was 21, still in college and really had only had a few years between leaving my family home and then entering this relationship and living with him pretty early on. And in hindsight, I didn't do the healing that I felt was necessary in between the two. And especially from a lot of the literature that I've read, I went into that relationship because that was what was familiar to me and comfortable. I was, and it mimicked so much of what my home life was as a child. Whereas I think if I had sought out the proper resources and went through the true healing process before getting into a romantic relationship, I wouldn't have attracted that relationship into my reality. I wouldn't have been vulnerable enough to put myself in that position. So I really try hard to avoid regretting anything. Um, I mean, there were still a lot of great things that occurred in that relationship, but a lot of lessons learned too. And a lot of things that then I had to be very firm about, you know, going forward that I needed to take the time then to process through everything and heal myself. I listened to your podcast. I think it went live on Friday and you all had the conversation of the process of healing before entering another relationship. And I do, I believe that you have to do a certain amount on your own, but then there's a certain point that you come to that you can no longer do as a solo person. You have to have relationships and whether they're romantic or not, you know, but having these relationships to help teach you and guide you and heal you further um, become a necessary component. Mm -hmm. I totally agree that we do learn our greatest lessons through the relationship with others, uh, whether that's family growing up, Mm -hmm. uh, coworkers, classmates, um, our first romantic partners, our ongoing romantic partners. And thank you very much for giving us more context because it brings me to ask you more about the point that you're making is the work that you needed to do, which I'm hearing in your voice and in your language and the way that you talk about your life, 
you have done so much work. And that's why I wanted to have a chat with you, converse with you on the podcast, because the voice that I heard even just on the 127-Bit podcast and the voice that I'm hearing now is almost a completely different person. Hmm. And I want to applaud you for that. Hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And another reason why I wanted to ask you about this current relationship that you're in and tying the success of where you and your partner are at now with the work that you've put in for yourself. Tell me a little bit more about that. I did take an intentional break after my marriage fell apart and not necessarily initially. I mean, I did for a little bit and then thought I was ready to get back into dating and quickly decided I was not. (laughs) So I took about a year away and just stepped away. And I think I was realizing so much emotion. I do believe my marriage was a codependent relationship. And so I really needed to figure out what wounds existed in me um, that needed to be healed. And so my healing process has just been so varied. I seek out a lot of different teachers and guides and mentors and I mean, the people that have impacted my life and helped me kind of discover this new path. I mean, some are your traditional, you know, psychotherapist, and then others are, I would say one of my photographers has also been a huge mentor to me. Is that Brett or is that another one? That's Brett. Yeah. Okay. We're talking about Brett Seeley and I can respect that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I love it when people challenge me to think or if people want to call me out on my BS. <laughs> And I kind of take that as an assignment, whether it's meant to be or not. And I will go back home and I can kind of end up going down the rabbit hole, but just like, okay, so what does this really mean? Mm-hmm. You know? Not in a bad way though. I can hear that. Oh, no. Yeah. no. Um, just discovering so much about who I am. Interestingly enough, I worked temporarily last season um, at Lululemon And they were an amazing company and really took care of their employees. And they did exercises all the time on just bettering yourself. Actually, during my interview, it was a group interview. And they did this exercise where it was, I am, you are. And it was figuring out where that line exists that creates you and your space and what is a priority for you. What are your values and not collapsing into another person. Mm-hmm. And I broke down. I mean, that's, I think because I felt so insecure in who I was as a child and a young adult, I very much kind of became this chameleon and felt like if I didn't fit this exact mold of what other people wanted me to be, then I wouldn't be accepted or liked or whatever the case may be. And so a lot of the work has come to understanding what really is of value to me and then learning how to set boundaries and move forward, being able to stay true to myself. Mm -hmm. I can respect that a lot. And one of the reasons why, uh, well, one of the many reasons why your interview with Quentin jumped out at me as I was listening to it was every coach needs a coach and you were listing off, you had three at the time. (laughs) And... (laughs) <laughs> Are you I trying still to count? Have three. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see if I have anybody else. <laughs> uh-huh. So at the same time, just every person who comes into my life is a reflection and a mirror for me to learn mm-hmm. from. 
so I agree with you on that 100% that uh, you're a reflection for me to grow, even though we hadn't met, I just listened to your podcast episode, but I took initiative and I reached out and now we have this relationship that we can continue to be mirrors and reflections for each other. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking, I'm like, okay, what coaches do I have? I have my counselor, saw biweekly at least for 20 straight months, if not weekly, uh, working on that dimension of my life, but she can only go so far. And so then I have men's groups and those are another vertical or another dimension that can bring reflection into my life. And when you outgrow one of those dimensions, you can move on and move forward to another. So I outgrew one of the men's groups and I found a a new one and I bring it up because of the codependency that you experienced maybe as a child and in your marriage includes a few extra things. And I wrote them down and there's guardedness, there's Mm. passivity, and then there's toxic shame as well. Do any one of the three resonate with you? Guardedness does quite a bit and toxic shame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the guardedness, um, if I could guess, are you taking guardedness with you or did you have guardedness in those relationships that you can reflect on now? I still pick up on guardedness when I interact with people. And I have a lot of social anxiety. And I think, you know, those kind of are intertwined in certain respects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Guardedness hits home for me too. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up is in the men's group that I was a part of for a year, it's not criticism, but it's calling me forth on this one dimension of Dave, you're not open. Mm. You're so shut down like this steel door this steel door slams shut when I say X, Y, and Z. And I agree. It's because I didn't feel safe and secure because that's what was familiar for me. Mm. And when the safety and security goes away, which can quickly happen in a new relationship where that trust disintegrates or the foundation that you think you've built up disintegrates, okay, I no longer feel safe and secure. Right. My avoidant attachment styles, uh, style is going to tell me to run, <laughs> like run really fast too. Right. I feel that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And I feel validated for that. That's funny. So tell me, tell me why you feel that. Um, so I, and I don't know. So guardedness is a new word right now thrown into the mix. So the two that have been resonating with me quite a bit are independence and self-reliance so that comes into the avoidant right so as soon as something feels shaky then it's like I don't need anybody else I've got this on my own I've done this on my own in the past and I'm out (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. Um, but for sure and I think too I see myself and I believe from the feedback of others that others see me as being a very open person and I can be a very open book but it's very much determined what I'm going to be open about as opposed to if there are things that I really truly do feel vulnerable about, then I'm very guarded in that Mm -hmm. respect. Is it predetermined what you're going to be open about or is it flexible when you, when you have a foundation of trust or when you first meet somebody? Well, so I, I think that's twofold. So I think in terms of, let's say social media, I am very open about my past. And I think in part because I believe that by sharing my story, I can help another person. 
So I'm open from that standpoint. And that to me is a predetermined openness in a relationship. I don't know that it's predetermined, but I definitely notice when those walls go up. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you said that. And I really want to say thank you for that reflection once again, because that's who I am too. I have predetermined that I will not share my message on social media because as the challenger on the Enneagram, I'm the Mack truck and I'm going to shove it in your face and that's just not how people receive it. So I've chosen to make the predetermination. I won't share my story on Instagram or on Facebook, but I will write a fucking book about it. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to, we're going to step back just a little bit and I want to differentiate between independence, self-reliance and avoidant attachment style. And I want to ask you a very specific question. An avoidant attachment style and that coping mechanism will be like, I'm going to leave them first so that they don't leave me. And I wanted to ask you if that resonates, that there is a difference between independence, self-reliance, and leaving before you get left. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that leaving before you get left is a protective mechanism. So it's using the idea or the concept of self-reliance and independence to help justify that coping mechanism or that protective mechanism. Justify or assist you and lead you in protecting yourself from an unsafe environment? I think it depends on the situation. So I think I could perceive a situation as unsafe, but again, not in the sense of being a physically unsafe or truly detrimental to your life, but there may be just one little thing that kind of sends this trigger of anxiety or fear. And then that's when you just want to make it easy so that you don't get hurt is really what you're doing. Mm -hmm. That could not be said any better than what I've experienced in my life and why I want so many people to hear your message is for that reason is because someone who has not experienced trauma in the way that we have, they do not comprehend that the shallow end of this unsafe pool, not three feet Mm -hmm. deep, it's an inch deep. So that if we're, if we're kind of dipping our toe in the dating world and we feel a trigger that makes it feel unsafe for us, we're out until we work through a lot of what I'm hearing you have worked through. Mm. And then you have to have a partner who's respectful of that as well. And then willing to walk through that with you. Mm -hmm. They're definitely not going to be our counselor, our therapist or our Mm -hmm. priest or um, our addiction recovery counselor or anything like that. That's not their role. Right. But their role is, one of support and mm-hmm. one of uh, understanding. And, and I want to venture as far as saying the word acceptance as well. Yes, exactly. And I don't know, are you familiar with Esther Perel? Love her. Okay. And I love her concept of we put so many expectations and needs on one person. Mm-hmm. So your romantic partner, you know, most of us expect them to be our best friend, our counselor, our buddy, our, you know, intimate partner, like every single thing that you could imagine a person being, we expect this one person to fulfill all of those needs for us. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge burden to carry. And there's going to be disappointment then at some point (laughs) Mm -hmm. if we're, you know, expecting that all from one person. 
Um, and so I do think it is necessary to have those other support pieces in place, but then also having that partner who is willing to say, I'm here with you and I hold space for you as you venture through this next part of, you know, your life mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. You're very accurately describing an ideal relationship for somebody who is a trauma survivor, mm. right? That's, that's the safety and security that we're looking for, <laughs> right? Yes. What's, what's so very challenging for a partner who comes into our world is they can understand that. They can conceptualize that. They can definitely hold space for us. But I think that the one hard thing for somebody who's trying their best, doing their best at holding space for you as your partner is they might not be able to comprehend how hard it is for us to ask for what we need. Mm. Like if we go through something together, say we've been dating for six months to a year or something like that, and another traumatic event occurs in our life, like Mm -hmm. a global pandemic, our partner is not necessarily going to see us for who they've seen us so far. Mm. It's going to be very hard for a trauma survivor to ask for time away, ask for um, the boundary to be set around how many people are you seeing each week, professionally, personally, your family, your best friends, your golfing buddies. It's so hard to ask for that need to be met. Mm. When we don't want to run away as an avoidant attachment style, when we don't mm. want to run away because we're dipping our toe in the very shallow end of the, of the, of the pool, mm-hmm. we want to stay and we want to be safe and secure, mm-hmm. but it's going to be very hard for us to feel that. I agree. And I think having a pandemic like we're experiencing right now, our level of safety and security is being challenged on such another level that it's already kind of exacerbating what you may experience then going into a new relationship or any, any relationship, not just a new relationship, but. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. Starting a new job right now would be hard. Um, Moving across town because your lease is up would be hard right now. Entering into a new relationship would be very, very hard right now Mm -hmm. because our coach, the new group that I found, he says, isolation equals amplification. Hmm. Every little trigger that a trauma survivor has is amplified right now. That makes sense why so many emotions are coming to the surface for me lately. Man, I've been like on this roller coaster lately and I'm just like, I don't know what's wrong with me. That makes sense. Thank Mm -hmm. you. You're very, very welcome. And I'm so blessed to be a part of the group that I, that I found. Um, I love the Man Talks community. I've listened to the podcast for years. Finally, when the Alliance opened up and I needed support because I don't, I'm not going to put that support need on my partner because mm-hmm. they're not, they're so able to hold space for me. Um, I'm better at asking for what I need, but I'm not a, I'm not completely there yet. I'm not 100% accurate at asking for what I need, but the men provide me support when I could go out and I could find somebody online and I could get together, quote unquote, with somebody, the first person I meet out of a scarcity mindset and be that much worse off because Mm. of the expectations that we're putting on this new partnership to be my best friend, to be my lover, to be my, Mm -hmm. my live in boyfriend, girlfriend, 
and also be my my zombie apocalypse survivor <laughs> like my ride or die at this time right like esther perel says it's too much mm-hmm. right I was also thinking, let me see where I was. So my other note is as a trauma survivor, even before being able to speak those boundaries or what is needed for you is being able to understand what those look like, understand what do I need? What do boundaries even look like? I remember sitting for a week probably with my notebook, like I don't even know where to start with a boundary. What does a boundary look like? You know, and and so... I think after trauma, so again, as to why you should not jump right into a new relationship or any, there's so much work to be done, but truly understanding what you as an individual need and then identifying those boundaries and then working through the process of how you put those boundaries in place. Mm -hmm. And that's oftentimes takes a need for support. And that's where a coach comes involved uh, or a counselor and why our relationship, our friendship, our collaborative relationship works so well is because of how strong your purpose is in helping other people who are just like you. Mm. I feel that like that purpose as an empath, as an extrovert, as somebody who wants to connect with others, I feel that in you. And that's why I brought you on today to one, share your story. And then two, to be there for people when they need space. So if your message resonates with somebody, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? As of right now, it's Instagram. Um, and my Instagram is Christina Marie Fit. But that is the best way to get in touch with me. Otherwise, you can email me at risefunctionalwellness at gmail.com. I'll, I'll be sure to put that detail in the show notes. And as soon as you change your Insta handle, you'll tell me that as well. I will. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, and I do want to just add one little piece of clarification is I know I have a lot of big traumas, um, and chronic prolonged traumas that I've encountered in my life. And so I don't expect my clients to have experienced such huge traumas, um, Mm -hmm. in order to be able to help them. So, um, you know, everybody's struggles are different. And so my purpose is helping women through those challenges and those struggles and not, they don't have to meet this criteria of a big overwhelming trauma. Right. Uh, No matter if it's little T trauma or big Mm -hmm. T trauma, we can carry with it in our cells, in our DNA, in our, in our mindset, in our psyche, in our limiting beliefs, we can carry it with us to the same degree. And I completely agree that, that in my not prolonged, not chronic, not continuous Mm -hmm. trauma, but um, isolated instances. Yeah, I carried them with you. I I carried them with me as a protective shield to guard me against getting hurt in the future, not allowing anyone to get close enough to have that happen to me again. And after about 20 years, I said, I'm sick of this. I'm I'm not living the life that I envisioned for myself. I'm gonna make a change. And here we are two years later on a podcast, um, making a change each week by seeking out people like yourself who I can relate to and who I believe in. Mm. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. A hundred percent. So if there's anything else you want to leave us with today, what would it be? The power is within you. Not to say that you don't need that support, but there's so much more that you can do once you understand that you have the power to 
start doing that work to heal yourself um, and get those guides and mentors and friends and everybody else who's going to help cheer you on or help guide you, you know, along the way. Mm -hmm. I agree. And if anybody is looking to understand what that feels like, it's the first time you reach out for help. That's the power Mm. within you. Yeah. Don't let that fear of what they may say, what they may think, hold you back. And that's how you break through that shield. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. And I couldn't thank you enough for coming on to the podcast and, and sharing, sharing your heart and your mission with us. I appreciate it, Christina. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. My pleasure.